I'm Katie Bennett-Stenton, a senior B2B marketer with 20 years experience across the UK, the United States and Asia Pacific. I recently returned from an exciting three months with Deloitte in Chicago, where I put my kids into school and finalised their US citizenship. During that time, I was delighted to have the opportunity to spend time with a number of global experts. Throughout that period, I interviewed a range of thought leaders and shared their thought-provoking, relevant and influential takeaways. Now I'm back in Melbourne, the, the hashtag Katie Talks conversation with influencers continues. Today, I'm speaking with Catherine Mountford, a specialist marketing and business development recruiter. After holding senior marketing and BD positions in international professional services firms in London and Asia, Catherine moved into recruiting and now talks a lot about understanding business needs, plus the benefits of high quality strategic recruitment rather than, as she phrases it, bums on seats. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Me too. Now, as we were we were chatting before we started recording, uh, we we talked a little bit about our background in terms of how we met and have gotten to know each other. Catherine, I, I, great, great story and example of the benefits of social media. I might ask you to relay that story. Yeah, so we were at the um, Icon, I think it was at, still ATSMA then, pre-Icon pre conference. You were talking and you also interviewed Amanda Gome as well. And I think I went up to you in a break and had a chat and we got talking and um, that was the only time we've ever met. Now that must be two plus years ago. Yeah. Nearly two and a half Two and a half, ago. I would think. We've only met that once, yeah. but I feel like we know each other really well and that's because of social media. Mm. Uh, we're both fairly active on Twitter yeah. and obviously LinkedIn as well. We're both mm. on there regularly. And I think what's happened is that by being connected on there and watching each other and commenting and observing, I think we've realised we're We've got things in common. Mm. We have shared interests. Um, I knew about your family trip to, to the US and was uh -huh. able to, to observe that through social media channels. Um, and we've really sort of formed a bond through those channels. So yeah. um, if we'd have just met that once, we'd mm. have never been sitting here today doing no. the podcast. So if that doesn't demonstrate the power of social media, I don't know what does. Absolutely. I think that's a that's a delightful mm. um, preamble to what we're going to talk <laughs> about today. Catherine, how is your life and career improving as a result of being better connected with people across the globe? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm inherently fascinated by people and I've been lucky enough to live in you know, a few different countries. So cultural differences, communications differences are really interesting to me. Um, and I'm really blessed to have a strong network globally, just as a result of meeting people over the years. And there are many years that I've had working um, who I've kept connected with through social media. Um, so, um, you know, having a, a number of people in different places, you get a different perspective, a different mindset, a different cultural view. People who've worked in different markets have a different perspective on careers and what they might want out of their next step. So it's very enriching to talk to people who come from such different backgrounds and with such different mindsets. I think I think a lot of those things that, that you say are true and, and working in, in different countries and different cultures is is really quite enriching and just helps give a broader perspective to to the value that you're able to add yeah i mean we're we are encouraged to celebrate diversity and i think we're doing 
well, but we could mm. always do better. Yes. And there's nothing more challenging, really, on a diversity perspective than looking globally for the right person for a job mm. and looking out into all markets, all levels, people from all backgrounds. Um, some people will be listening to this thinking, well, there's not that much diversity in professional <laughs> services marketing, <laughs> and they are right. Mm. Um, but having, I suppose, lived in a few markets as well, I've been able to observe culture at a slightly different level. And I'd, I'd encourage anyone who's thinking about their career and who's still in a position to go out and, and, and work elsewhere if they, if they can, as you did recently when sure. you had your trip to the States and you were working yeah. there. If you can get that opportunity, go and seek it. It's very enriching. I agree. And I think, I mean, I, you know, I worked in the UK for two years and then moved mm. to, to the States for a year or so before I came back home. And having had or having a couple of small children, I, I thought perhaps at least for the next 10, 15 years, living and working abroad was at least for a while behind me. But I was, you know, so, so thrilled and well, not just my life enriched by having that opportunity last year, but mm. the, the kids as well. So it was, it, it was, it was wonderful to be able to see that at, you know, well, perhaps any stage in your career, the there is an ability to do that. Yeah. And I think there's always a way if mm. you want it. Yeah. Um, different markets go through different phases as well. Some markets are really interesting and growing at the moment. I'm talking about different maybe global financial sectors. Some are a little bit flat. Mm. Um, if you are able to move to a growing changing market for a couple of years and get some good career development there, then, you know, go for it. Mm, absolutely. Catherine, as you mentioned earlier, you and I met and connected when I was presenting on personal branding and social media. Why are you such an advocate for social media? I think that's a good demonstration of why. Um, in terms of, you know, I love connecting. Connecting and building relationships is kind of the core of me. Mm. Um, and so being able to do that uh, and take it to a different level, either that you've met somebody in person first and then you can enrich that relationship online like we yes. did. Yep. But also I have started my relationship with a lot of people online mm. and then met them in person yes. or actually never met them mm. uh, in person but still feel I have a relationship with them. Um, so it gives you another way to connect with like-minded people or to challenge yourself to listen to people who aren't quite so like-minded yes. who are also out there as well yes. and I do try and I try to make myself follow and listen to people who don't agree with me because mm -hmm. you sometimes find yourself in an industry or an environment or in a group of friends who all agree with you you yes. all have the same yeah. views so I find that's quite a nice uh, an, another added value of, of social media but certainly from career seeking perspective if you've got some good experience plus You've got a good personal brand online yeah. that your future employers can touch, feel, see, hear. You are going to stand a much better chance of being hired by an organisation if they get the whole picture of you. Mm -hmm. So from a career perspective, it's a very valuable tool. Uh, I'm really interested in a few points you mentioned there, particularly um, engaging with and observing and following people who don't agree with you. I heard a really great interview with Madeleine Albright um, on an Atlantic podcast recently, and she was talking about listening to um, 
strongly right-wing Christian radio in her car on the way to work and talked about flipping people the bird. <laughs> she was she's so offended by some of what they say, but she she reinforced the importance of that. And I I think it's a good one. I, I yeah. probably need to get a little bit better at it. But well, I think we all could do yeah. because it, we like to hear things that back up our own yeah. views in the first place, don't we? Yeah. But um, and I think podcasts are a great way to do that. Absolutely, uh, you can switch it off if you want to if mm-hmm. you get too offended um you know you could be maybe doing something else at the same time so if you're already doing a the washing up or yep. the hoovering or something yep. you're not wasting any time by dipping into something that's a Absolutely. bit different so yeah it's a good tool oh uh, no they're, they're a great tool i mean i you know will often when when cooking or going for a run or riding my bike to work will will often listen to one so it's yeah i mean it's sort of making the most of what in some ways is although running's not dead time but that yeah yeah adding some multitasking yeah in there. absolutely yeah. Catherine, I think in in the recruiting world, we've we've all read articles about CVs perhaps being a little bit exaggerated, <laughs> but I'm keen to understand what mistakes you've seen people make as they're looking for new roles and and next steps in their careers. Yeah, um, I guess flipping that slightly to talk about maybe some areas that people could really focus on, and I think areas of development. The majority of candidates that I meet will have CV homework. (laughs) And um, so anyone listening to this who's been a candidate of mine will probably be smiling now or grimacing. (laughs) Um, And the main reason for that is that I see a real uh, leaning towards talking about people talking about what they do rather than what they've achieved. And to position yourself for your next career move on paper and verbally, you really need to be able to articulate what you've achieved because that's what you could help the next organisation achieve. Mm-hmm. So I often use the Usain Bolt example, which is if you ask Usain Bolt what he did um, or to say to talk about himself, if he said, well, I, I run, I'm a runner <laughs> uh-huh. and I do some running and I've run in some races, you might just think, oh, well, he, he's fine but you don't you don't get a sense of what is it if Usain Bolt said to you well I've won x amount of Olympic golds I've beat this world record um I train six days a week to be the best in the world you know Mm -hmm. you'd get more of a sense of what he could do for you okay um it's a very poignant and and simple example well that is a very simplistic example but but um to take maybe a more uh, appropriate example so rather than saying um i i i manage a team i uh, manage um online and offline marketing projects i uh, write this strategy for my business unit you could say things like um have developed and grown a team of 10 resulting in um, you know significantly improved um, outputs and um, anecdotal feedback from the business or um, have developed uh, a new client development strategy resulting in 20% increase in cross-selling of sure. existing clients for example. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, People cannot fail to sit up and think, oh, we'd like one of those. We'd like someone <laughs> yes. to come and do that for us. Absolutely. So I think that's what the word mistake or, or the word development area, that's probably the thing I see the most office is the most common, the most often mm-hmm. amongst all levels, all senioritys, okay. all stages in career is flipping to talking about achievements rather than doing. Okay. I like it and I'm thinking about my, my current <laughs> profile and wondering what, 
what, what, I, what homework I need to be doing on that front. <laughs> Everybody always needs homework. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Catherine, is there any one thing you'd change about the business environment of today? Um, we were talking about this before we started um, recording and I think probably there's I, I, I would love to see more listening and related to that is hearing. Okay. Actually hearing people, so listening and hearing and taking that in. Um, I think in business there's a tendency to want to prove your worth by telling or doing or talking or interrupting at times. Yes. <laughs> and and I, I've been you know, guilty of this, I think we all have, mm-hmm. but certainly for me is the listening and hearing. Uh, I think... Uh, a greater encouragement of authenticity and empathy would go a long way and I think some organisations have got quite a long way to go on that. Um, as in my 20s I certainly felt I needed to play a role, I needed to be how I thought I should be in business, yes. I needed to act how I thought I should act and with the benefit of age mm-hmm. I know I can be more authentic and more myself now and that's okay. Wouldn't it be nice if we could encourage that from an earlier stage in people's careers um, and demonstrate that from the top that we don't all need to be the same? Absolutely. And when we were, when we were talking earlier, uh, that that resonated particularly with me. I mean, I similarly in my in my twenties felt felt the need to to be a little bit of a pigeonhole and very much like everybody else. And now again, perhaps with the uh, with the passage of some <laughs> some some time, feel much more comfortable and confident in being really authentic and and you know could cite a whole bunch of examples where that's actually been really additive to to my career, you know, being um, as one of the senior partners I work with describes me as infatigable so you know just endless very very energetic and that being that being a good thing rather than sort of needing to tamp down energy and and passion yeah and wouldn't it be nice if it was this skill set that was taught in schools and not just maths and reading and I know schools are desperately trying to do more um, but some classes on self-care self-compassion um, celebrating differences would be a wonderful toolkit for children mm. to then grow into their adult life with. Maybe that is happening now, but I don't know to what extent. Certainly when, many, many years ago when I was at school, that wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure. I, that's, that's a really interesting question. It's certainly something I talk to my kids about a lot. Mm. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I might have to do a little research on that. And yeah, back. it would be interesting to know if that's on the curriculum or thought about with regards mm. to the curriculum because you know, we work in the professional services world and when I'm interviewing people for professional services roles, one of the biggest things I'm looking for is how they can influence and manage stakeholders. Yes. It's relationships, it's it communication, is. it's influencing, it's knowing how to deal with different types of people in different situations in a different context. That is all stuff you learn mm. as you are developing your own relationships in life. 
Absolutely. But I would argue it's one of the most valuable tools to success in the industries that we're in. Oh, I, I agree. And, and I think it is absolutely an art form. And, you know, just as we talk about from a client or customer perspective, what works for one person is not going to be the same for another. Everybody's going to have their own take on that. And I think working in a large partnership, as I have for most of my career, the, the ability to consult and listen and the art of senior people feeling heard even if their view is not the one that it that is you know uh preeminent at the end of the day when you're putting a marketing strategy together it's it's incredibly important and, and can very much make or break your your success or ability to be impactful yeah okay so if anyone out there wants to commission a study into what's going on in schools please do <laughs> come back to us yeah. <laughs> we, we we would welcome that with yes. open arms Catherine, are there any significant challenges that you've navigated in your career that you've drawn specific strength or insight from that you would like to share? So many significant challenges, <laughs> partly self-induced, I'd suggest. Sure. Um, but I suppose for me, I think the biggest one has got to be that I... Um, I was very sick in 2010, 2011, and it turned out that I had chronic fatigue syndrome, or, Ooh, or ME as yes. we refer to it in the, in the UK. Um, and so I was kind of asleep for two, two and a half years. I had to give up work, had to stop my career, and my wonderful husband, Ian, was able to support me through that, that very difficult time. And I realized that a lot pretty much all my identity was wrapped up in my career mm -hmm. and then I didn't have an identity all of a sudden. Then I had to get back to some semblance of working and having identity again and I really had no choice but to sit back and reflect on how I'd got there in the first place which was a lot about perfectionist tendencies, working all hours, burning the candle at both ends yes. which I know you, you can <laughs> relate to as uh -huh. well. Um, really being tough on myself, inner critic, uh, trying to be the best I could be at all times, um, really berating myself for anything that looked like a failure. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was so much learning. We could do a whole podcast just oh. on that alone. But as a result of that, I feel, I actually feel I'm kind of in hindsight glad it happened mm -hmm. because I was able to take stock and think about what's important to me. How am I going to talk to myself from now on? How am I going to work, live, act? How am I going to get balance? And now, <laughs> again, some candidates who've met me who seem like they're worn out will know that I've said to them, you really need to be careful and this is why. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just helped me, but I think I've been able to help others by passing on that advice around balance, self-care, self-compassion, so that you can be the best person you are in the workplace. This yes. is not about not working mm. or not working hard or not being the best you can or doing the best you can, but it's about getting balance right so when you do show up, you can be the best that you want to be. I think this is an incredibly interesting conversation. Uh, I, In a podcast I published earlier this year with Grant Hyde, one of Deloitte Australia's senior partners, we had a very similar conversation and he had had a similar experience as had I and you know I had a um, virus which basically meant a few years ago that I had three months that I pretty much spent in bed you know I, I was in the office for about five hours once a week and I found that to be very very confronting because uh, it it turns out that getting up at six for a run and then burning the candle at, at the the other end of the day and working incredibly long hours 
ultimately was not sustainable. And it's been surprising to me. I've had a number of colleagues come and initiate some conversations about that very thing, having heard it. And, and I think a few of them felt uh, younger, they, uh, younger so less advanced in their careers but really felt uh that it was okay to have a very frank conversation about that because they had heard someone very senior in the firm talking about it and i think i think bringing more of that into the the public mm. realm is is a really good mm. discussion i mean we're reading a lot more about balance in life and having i mean i don't talk about a work-life balance i think my personal take on it is if you is that you have a balanced life but I, I think having more honest conversations about this means that others others can as well and I think that can only benefit the you know the greater community absolutely and it's just triggered a thought of mine which is uh, the era when you know LGBTIQ mm-hmm. as I think it is yes. now uh, started as something shorter mm-hmm. shorter acronym yep. but it's it's that now when when the first conversation started about that in firms mm-hmm. to try and encourage people to be more open and yeah. i remember baker mckenzie quite early on led from from the front around that and had some very open um discussions coming from partners mm-hmm. about their own experiences of being being gay and that encouraged more junior staff to be open as well about their sexuality mm-hmm. and maybe we're at that point now with regards to mental health um yeah. self-care those of us who do speak out maybe we do encourage others to do the same mm. no i think that can only benefit all concerned i was talking to somebody last week who um is a senior leader at, at fairfax and was talking about the fact that he coaches his son's basketball at 3 30 on a friday now I was talking about the fact that that's about the busiest time in a newsroom in a week um but that as a senior leader it's really critical for him to be very open about that and very, very honest about it. So although everybody is in mad, incredibly frenetic stage, you know, he always makes a point when he is leaving of saying, hi, you know, see, see you guys, I'm, I'm off to coach um, basketball and being seen to really live that as being really, really critical. And that's, only, that's the only way you can do it yep. is to get leaders to act in a way that you want others to as well. Yes. So I really, I think that's excellent. Yeah, I, I really liked that as well. Catherine, what, what's your favourite song and why? This is a really hard one because I am a musician by trade. I did a music degree and I'm a cellist. So classical music is big to me. Uh-huh. And I just love music. My husband gets a bit fed up with our family because we sing all the time. <laughs> and actually my office colleagues as well share the same frustration because any word can trigger me to sing a related song. Fabulous. So it's a bit Von Trapp family, really. Love um it. So it's very difficult for me to talk about one song. From a classical perspective, Elgar Enigma Variations mm, yes. always makes me cry. It's got personal connotations as well. So Beautiful. that's that's I, I'm, I would definitely have to have that in my list. Um, Coldplay Fix You gets to me. Uh-huh. Yep. Can't explain why, but it does. And then I think there would have to be a Dire Straits song in there because that was my first live concert. My dad took me to Dire Straits when I was 10. Uh. Uh, but I'm not sure I can pick which one. Can't narrow it to one. I don't know. Okay. Do I? No, no that's all right. Can I have the whole album? Sure. 
Brothers in Arms? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, have the I'm gonna yes. have the Brothers in Arms yeah. album. There you go. Yeah. No, I, I like that one. I um my I can remember my dad going to one of their concerts and coming home with um with Mark Knopfler sweatbands. Oh. <laughs> What his own sweatbands? Uh, no, I, I don't think. Say, so. I don't actually. No, I don't. I don't. They would be very sweaty. They, they would be very sweaty. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Catherine, if you could invite three guests, living or not, to dinner, who would they be? Mm. Gosh. Um, my grandma is one. Olive, my nanny, Olive, who's ninety-eight. She is in the UK and I'm living in Sydney so I don't see her very often she's an absolute inspiration she's incredible in fact last night on Twitter I did post my three inspirations based on a conversation I'd had with my husband yesterday and then you've asked me this question about three guests so I suppose the two could correlate so definitely my grandma Olive amazing lost both her parents early on is eternally positive can do, kind, generous, brave. She's fully there. She FaceTimes and WhatsApps with Fantastic. me at 98. Yes, Fantastic. absolutely. Okay. She has an iPad and an iPhone and is just a total inspiration. So she's coming to dinner. She's coming to dinner. Yeah. Um, there's a lady called Claire, Claire Lomas who's from the UK. Um, Claire was paralysed in 2007. She had a horse riding accident. And I followed Claire on Twitter for many years. Incredibly inspiring. Um, she has a robotic suit that enables her to walk. She was paralysed from the chest down, okay. um, has done various marathons. Um, she's now learning how to uh, ride a motorbike. Uh, she's an author. She's a speaker. Uh, she has two, two children and a, an amazing husband by the looks of what I can see on Twitter. I would love to sit down and talk to her. Okay. She believes that it has all been, all been for good. Sorry, Claire, if that's you're listening and that's that's overstating it, but she has such a positive attitude to what's happened, and I think that's really really mm -hmm. inspiring. Couldn't we all learn from that? Yeah. So anyone who wants to to look at Claire on Twitter, it's so Claire with an I, so C L A I R E eighty Lomas. So Claire eighty Lomas is her, her Twitter handle. Amazing woman. I'd love to meet her. My third one, um, well, actually now I'm torn. I, I, we talked about this just before we yes. went live. Malala yeah. is a total inspiration. I know you took your daughter I to did. hear her she speak. She was amazing. I'd have loved to have heard her mm. speak. I think what an amazing woman. Yes. With the risk of getting slightly teary, I did lose a friend a few years ago. And so just when you ask me that question now, my friend Anna, who I was at school with, who sadly died a few years ago, I think I might bring her back for dinner and have a laugh with her. Okay, well, you could have Malala and Anna. I think I yeah. will do. I think maybe Anna's always there helping me laugh because she was such a great spirit. So, yes. Sounds like an excellent yeah. dinner. I like it. <laughs> Catherine, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? Oh, this is really difficult because I've been given a lot of advice not all good <laughs> some people have told me without necessarily knowing that I wanted to hear I'd probably say my dad gave me some very early on business advice pre getting into business at all mm -hmm. I was a teenager I needed a job yes. I wanted a job 
and I needed to write a CV and a cover letter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, my dad's already done loads of those. He could just write it for me. And he sure. refused to do so. He said, no, you've got to write it yourself. You've mm-hmm. got to do a draft. You've got to get it to where you think it's right before I have a look at it. I was furious. I remember sitting in my dining room thinking, that's so unfair. He's done this. Why can't he just help me? But what it taught me was have a go yourself, uh-huh. do the best you can first, yep. and then seek help. And you will learn a lot quicker than if someone else does it for you. Mm. I mean, you know, it's really difficult even at my age to admit that my dad gave me a very useful tip as a teenager, but I'm, I've put it out there now. Kudos, Catherine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, our final question for today. Your professional focus helps significantly for others to shape their careers. Do you have any final career advice for listeners out there? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'd probably go back to the think about your achievements. And, and on that topic... I had a coffee with a, a guy the other week who had just started a new job. He's he's an amazing guy, and, and I've I've sort of seen him through a couple of moves in his career. And I said, right, you, you know, how's it going? First few weeks, I said, start making a note of your achievements mm-hmm. because when you get when you're ready to move again, yeah. which could be a long way off, you'll remember what you've achieved. He said, I've only just started this job. I would never have thought of that, but I'm going to do that. Yeah. So it's almost like keep a live CV. Don't forget what you've achieved. Your week goes so fast, your month goes so fast that you forget what you've done. But some of those things you've done along the way can be mm-hmm. really important messages for a future employer. Sure. So keep a keep a live CV, treat yourself to a nice notebook, put it on your desk. Mm. If you like Moleskin or you like Kiki K, okay. other brands are yeah. available. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, go, go and buy one, write it down at the end of the day, just, just so that you don't forget. And I think for maybe the younger people that I meet be patient Mm -hmm. be patient work hard things won't come to you immediately Um, you have to put in the hard graft you have to be prepared to put in the work to get results and in a world where um, positive affirmation and immediate gratification is available I'm afraid workplaces don't cater for that and don't suit that and that's quite difficult for younger people to adjust Mm. to so be patient be prepared to work don't expect everything to happen straight away Um, and I suppose my other bit of advice is think about what is your purpose what's your personal purpose why are you doing what you're doing and is doing what you're doing aligning to that and don't be afraid to be authentic and be really comfortable in your own skin if where you are now or what you're doing now doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. change it don't do it because your family are proud of you or other people think you're great or you know you think this is the route you should take in your career have the courage to sit back think about what you really want out of life and go and do it that would be my advice some good advice there, Catherine. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, and I, I think we, at some point we might follow up with a second podcast because there are some more more topics that we've covered that I'd like to dig into more. Really enjoyed it. Yes. I know that listeners are going to take a lot. Um, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Let's do it again soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, Catherine. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Katie Talks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review me on iTunes to help others find this great content. I have some excellent thought leaders coming up in the series. Subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. I love feedback from listeners. You can find me at Katie B Marketing on Twitter or Katie Bennett Stenton on LinkedIn.